beginning of our service. Happy New Year. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Happy New Year. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God has some good stuff in store for us, not only because it's a new year, just because he's a good God. Amen? And as we enter into the new year, I think that, you know, God is the, obviously, I don't think, but God is the author of seasons and times and all of those beautiful things that we experience in life. And he has given us years. And I think a lot of times he gives us those years so that way we can mark the beginning and the end of certain stuff so we can start over and we can, you know, do all the good things that we're supposed to do and just be able to evaluate. Because if we just went ahead and said, okay, I just have like, you know, 80 years and then I never really take a time to, okay, evaluate this time. Time period. And so God does this for whatever reason he does. And we just need to take advantage of it and thank the Lord for the opportunity to start off new. Amen. Amen. And so this morning, I'm going to share a message. And for those of you who received my email and text message, I don't know if I said it in the text message, but in the email, I was going to speak a message called revision, revision. And the reason why is because evaluating our lives in some respects can be compared to proofreading something with the intent of making corrections or, 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 or making revisions in that particular document that we are looking at. And so I know, I don't know about anybody else, but whenever I write, I'm the type of person that I think faster than I write, actually, right? So what happens is I'll think I wrote something and I miss the whole word somewhere and be like, I'm like flowing. And especially if I'm typing because I type real slow, like I type with three fingers, you know, that, that, that's how I type. I'm sorry I haven't arrived there. So, you know, I, I really think faster than I type for sure. Um, and so what happens is when I write something, I have to go back and proofread it a few times. Amen. Hallelujah. Because even after I proofread and I catch some of those things that stand out like right away, I still realize later on, you know, and especially after having a beautiful wife in my life. Who, who, who majors in English literature and all those good things, you know, and so she really knows her stuff, right? She'd be like, babe, that, that, that's incorrect there. I'm like, so I, now I just tell her, listen, listen, I'm not asking you to look, at the, to, to look at the grammatical errors. I just want you to look at the content. Is the content good? You know, so, you know, because earlier on in our marriage, you know, I, I would get really angry. I, I would get really upset and be like, I don't even want you looking at my stuff. You always criticize. You know, took it the wrong way, right? Just, I wasn't, I, you know, I, was, I, 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 I took it the wrong way, right? I, I, wasn't, I wasn't being really understanding that the Lord brought her in my life to help me. Hallelujah. So I didn't look crazy when I was sending stuff out, just looking nuts, right? So anyway, the fact of the matter is when I write, stuff, and I know that anybody else who's ever done a report for school, I would hope, I would hope, you know, because some folks, they don't really care, but I would hope that you would want a good grade, and so what you did was you wrote it, and then you checked it, right? And then when you checked it, you made some corrections. You saw that this was out of line, that, that this thing should be capitalized, that should have a comma there, period here, maybe this is a run-on sentence. You, you looked at all of these different things, and you went ahead and you evaluated the document, you looked at it again, and then you said, all right, now I need to make the revisions, make the corrections, and then it is ready to be presented. And so with our lives, I believe that it's similar in some ways because what we can do is we can go on ahead and we can look at everything that we've done, not necessarily what we, what we have written, but we can look at what we have done. We can look back. Is it okay to look back sometimes? Don't get stuck looking back. That, that's wrong. Don't, don't, don't just get stuck back looking at every little thing you did, every little mistake you made when you should have paused and you kept running or you should have ran and you stopped. Don't, don't, don't get stuck in all that stuff. But what you need to do is you do need to look back, especially when God allows us to enter into this new year. You should look back and you should see, okay, did I accomplish those things that I know that I was supposed to accomplish in the year that passed? So just for a moment, let's just look back together, right? So looking at Scripture, because I know all 
all of us, we decide in the beginning of the year. Hallelujah. In the beginning of the year, we are going to read more Bible this year than I've ever read in my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We get stirred up. We get motivated. We get on a Bible reading plan. Different ones. There's different things. I mean, there, there is so much stuff out there. It's amazing. I was, my daughter, and I, I think Brother Lewis was the one that introduced her to it, but there's this thing on an iPhone called Bible.is, and it comes from this ministry called Faith by Hearing. And so, or Faith Comes by Hearing. And their whole thing is to get people to read or, or listen to the entire New Testament in 40 days. Did you realize that it's that easy that you can sit down and listen to the New Testament in 40 days, just sitting down listening like 30 minutes a day. Did you hear what I just said? In 40 days. So you think about your entire year and how many months in the year. How many times can you actually go through the New Testament just listening to it, just taking 30 minutes a day to do that? And so anyway, faith comes by hearing. That's their goal is to get people listening to and reading the Word of God. And, you know, I wasn't a real proponent for listening to the Word because I'm kind of old-fashioned. You know, I, I, I really am. I, I study on the computer and everything like that. But when it comes to reading the Bible, you know, I really do like to sit down and turn the pages. I, I, like to, I just enjoy doing that. And so... So, you know, to have someone reading, you know, scripture to me, I was like, man, I'm not really with it until the other day. The other day I said, you know, I'm driving and I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just turn on the scriptures. And, I, and so I went to the faith comes by hearing thing and I put it on and I, I'm listening and I'm actually was getting, I was getting a root canal also. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like, I got time. So, you know, we just go, I'm laying here. I can't do anything else but listen. And so I said, you know what, popped in my, and, and she's like, go ahead and turn on your music. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to turn it on. So I turn it on. And as I'm sitting here listening to the word of God, there, there's two things I want to tell you about listening. Number one, when you listen, you really need to listen. When you lit, you need to you need to focus is what I'm saying because I I I listened to um, the book of Zephaniah like 12 times. You listen to what I'm saying because I wasn't focusing. So I you know my my mind. So the first thing is I want to encourage you, and that's probably the reason why I was not a proponent of this. But anyway, you know the first thing you got to focus. You have to focus. But here is the other thing that I'm going to tell you. When you're listening to the scriptures, something happens. When I'm reading, I, I, and this is just me, I don't know how anybody else is in here, but me, when I'm reading, I read and I get stuck on a word. I'll be like, what does that word mean, right? That, that's just me. I, I'm a preacher, teacher, so I get stuck on a word. When you're listening, there's no time to get stuck on a word. So you're listening to the whole thought, and so all of a sudden, your mind be my mind. I don't know about your mind. My mind begins to open, and I, like, start to visualize, wow, imagine what that would really look like and see what this. And so now I'm seeing something in the Scripture, so I'm pretty amazed. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take my family on this journey. So I looked at this thing, and I'm like, man, this, this faith comes by hearing has to have some kind of, um, you know, so, some kind of program in here that I can go ahead and I can listen to. And I said, I told my wife, my daughter, I said, listen, you know what we're going to do? I said, we're going to listen to the Bible, and we're, we're going to listen to the scriptures together as a family and go through this, but we're not just going to listen to the Bible just, you know, regular from Genesis all the way to Revelation, but we want to listen to the Bible in the way that everything happened chronologically, and so they have a program where you can listen to the Bible in 365 days in a chronological manner. I said, that is amazing. And so we sat down last night for the first time. I just encourage you, you can come and ask me because I want you to hold me accountable. Bishop, y'all continuing on in your scripture, you know, listening, glory to God. Because that's important for us as family. But the reason why I bring that up, you can hold me, you can hold me accountable. But just to point out that, you know, we do those type of things. We come into the new year and we look at, you know, and I don't know what happens to us. 
about midstream of the year, you know, we, we just, we, 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 we lose all hope, right? And we're like, you know what? I was supposed to start reading the Bible, and, and I'm, I'm just going to confess because I know nobody else does this. This, doesn't, this does not happen to anyone, so I'm just talking about me today, right? So anyway, you know, we go through and we're reading the scriptures. And I don't know about you, but there are times that I miss a day that I miss my three scriptures, right? I'm like, man, I could catch up, you know, tomorrow. I'll read, you know, I'll read six scriptures. No big deal. I'm the bishop. I can read six scriptures, not, you know, six, six chapters. No big deal, right? I'm just, I, do, I do not say that to myself. I don't talk to myself that way. But anyway, um, I just use that for effect right here. But the fact is, I'm like, man, I can read six chapters. It's not a big deal, right? Read six chapters. No big deal. Anyway, read six chapters, you know, catch up. Continue. And then, you know, something will happen like I go on vacation or something. And I don't take a vacation from Jesus. I don't do that, all right? But I may sit down and I'm like, man, I may not read all of those scriptures I was supposed to. Or I get caught up. And see, with me, it's a little different. It's not an excuse. This is just I'm letting you know what happens to me sometimes. Sometimes I get caught up. Remember what I said? I get caught up in a word. And so I get caught up in a word and I start studying and I go running off somewhere else and I end up being there. And then I start studying for Bible studies, different things like that. And so I don't get to the whole thing. So then about mid, mid, midpoint of the year, I find myself like a month behind my reading schedule. It's just me. I know none of this happens to none of y'all. I know y'all are good to go. Praise the Lord. Y'all are reading through your Bibles. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. So then I'm like, man, it's like May, and I'm still in the April reading schedule here. I'm like, oh, this is just not, this is not working for me, man. I, and, then, and then before you know it, December is around the corner, and I'm like, I'll just start over in the new year. I, I'll keep reading the Bible, you know, because then what I do is I just start reading. I'm like, well, you know what, Lord, I done missed this goal, so I'm just going to start reading the scriptures. So I go through and I start reading here, start reading there. I'm like, Lord, just lead me where you want me. All that good stuff, right? Right? I'm just, I'm just talking about me. I know. Pray for me. So, so the fact is, whatever happens to us midstream, we get discouraged. So let me encourage you in like the third day of the year. Don't get discouraged midstream. Amen. Don't, don't wait for the new year. Just continue forward, you know, you, whatever, whatever your goals are. But the point is we're, we're looking backwards, right? So you looked at my life, so now let's look at yours. So now think about yourself for a moment. So looking back in the year, did you accomplish all of those goals that you had, those, you know, those spiritual? Let's talk about spiritual goals first. I want to talk about those. Did, did you accomplish that? Because I know not only did you want to get into the word more, but I know you really wanted to increase your prayer life. Amen? You wanted to go from praying however many minutes to an hour. Got quiet. They were like, no, Bishop, we ain't, we're, not out, we're not an hour yet, Bishop. We're still in minutes. All right, all right. 60 minutes. You wanted to get to 60 minutes, right? Glory to God. So, so, so you have these prayer goals. So did you get there? Did, 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 did you make those spiritual goals? And then, then, you know, some of us, you know, some of us, are, we, we don't have any goals for weight loss or anything like that. Others of us do. Did you get those goals? Did, did you accomplish those? Did you get there? Did you, start, you may not even have weight loss goals. You may have weight gain goals. You may want to be buff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Ripped, and I'm getting to the gym, right? That, that may be your goal. Did, did you get there? Did, did, you get, did, did, you, did you accomplish those goals? Looking back, so what, what did you accomplish? What didn't you accomplish? What about relational goals, you know? I want to have a better relationship with certain folks. What about those goals? Because those are real goals, you know? This is going to be the year that I'm not going to be offended. How's that working for you? Uh-huh. I got a better goal for you. How about this be the year that you commit to forgiving anyone who offends you? Amen? Because you're going to be offended regardless. I'm, I promise you, I will offend you at least five times a year. Just let you know right now. At least five times a year. And that doesn't include messages. Messages, you can't account messages for offenses because that's just preaching of the word. <laughs> just relationally, right? 
So the, the thing is, did you accomplish those things? Did you grow in those relationships? Did you do those things? If you didn't, well, you can look back. And obviously, here's the difference. When you look at a document, a piece of paper that's in a Word file or something like that, you know, you can usually amend that. You can fix that. You can revise that. You can make it right really quickly, delete, you know, copy, paste, whatever you got to do. You can make that happen pretty simply. In life, it's not that way because a document you can alter with minimal effort. But in life, sometimes the decisions that we make affect us for years. Sometimes the decisions we make affect us for our lifetime. Hear me. Sometimes the decisions that we make, the things that we decide to do, the things that we decide not to do, those things can affect us for a long time. And it's not so easy to just revise it. Oh, you know, I made a mistake. You, we, we have sometimes we've made decisions. And I, I say I have made decisions in relationships that, you know what, that relationship, no matter what I try to do, will never be restored. Not just me, other people have done the same thing. In relationship, there are people that I, I mean, I'm talking about people that I knew for years. And one situation happened, somebody, whether it was me or them, made a decision, relationship never the same. So what do you, what, you know, there, there's some things that are just not going to, you know, get better or whatever the case is. But you and I can walk in what? We can walk in truth. We can walk in intimacy with God. And we can let the Holy Spirit mold us, Amen. Through those situations, and we can go ahead and move forward. Sometimes it's not even decisions we make, it's just things that happen. Sometimes things occur in our life that do what? That affect us. Things happen in our life that create fears in us. Situations occur that create doubts in us. Situations occur that create mindsets in us that aren't so easy to just get out of. Some of us grew up and experienced certain things that created certain mindsets. Some of us had certain experiences in churches that have given us a specific mindset regarding preachers, regarding pastors, regarding leaders, regarding Christians in general. And we have these mindsets, and, it, and that is what is holding us back from moving forward, from going on ahead and having the revision in our life, having the situation changed or transformed because we're stuck dealing with situations that sometimes it isn't as easy as just a delete or I'm just going to forgive you or I'm going to move on. No, sometimes it takes more time than others to deal with stuff. But here's the reality. The reality is. If we want to walk with him the way that he's called us to walk with him, that means that we're going to have to go through the process of doing whatever it takes in order to make the things right that need to be right. When I look back at my year and I say, well, you know what? I have this prayer time, and, and I'm, again, I'll talk about myself, you know, looking back and I say, well, you know what, Bishop? You can't get caught up. You can't get caught up in, on a word and let that be your reason why you didn't complete what you have, uh, have purpose to do. You just need to do it. Amen. You just need to make it happen. No excuses. I love Pastor Robert. He preached the message to the man uh, sometime in the middle of the last year, and he, talk, he was reading a book, and he was talking about no more excuses. I loved it. Stop making excuses. Just do it. Hello? That's it. Just make it happen. You want to pray more? Get up earlier. Don't just set your alarm clock. Hallelujah. Because plenty of us set the alarm clock, hit snooze when it goes off, and we snooze through the whole time we were supposed to be praying. Or we do this. We set the alarm clock for an hour earlier. And, I, I'm, again, I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Set the alarm clock for an hour earlier, and what happens? For me, I, I, I'm, like, anticipating that alarm clock going off, and I wake up, like, an hour before that. And then I'm like, oh, my Lord. I, and I, now I'm not going to be able to sleep. And then I change the time, and I'm like, you know what? I, I, I make it 30 minutes later. Or no, listen. 
Get up. My, my, my decision, this, this is my, 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 my decision has to be that I'm going to do this. And you know what? Don't let, don't, don't let anything hinder you from moving forward. You know the phone call you were supposed to make to that person you were supposed to get it right with? Don't put it off waiting until you feel perfect. That feeling is probably never going to come. And so what do you need to do? You need to make that. You need to show up. I had, listen, I had a situation. I couldn't, get, I couldn't get the person on the phone. You know what I did? I showed up at their job. I knew what time they would be there. I showed up. So I was the first one they had to see before they walked in them doors. Glory to God. I, they, they, you, 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 can't, you can't run, right? Glory to God. So the reality is we need to make sure we're looking back and we're saying, okay, there's certain things that we're going to have to be painful. There's certain things that are going to take a little bit of sacrifice, efforts, things like that. But we're going to have to make it happen. It's up to us to have the revision and get things right. Alteration in our lives may seem difficult and even impossible, but the very key to a revision is a revision in our hearts. In order to have, what happens is, I told you about when I'm typing something or I'm writing something, even when I'm, when I'm just writing, when I'm writing something down, as I'm, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking faster than I'm writing, I'm leaving words out, I'm messing up in punctuation, I'm messing up in all of these different grammatical areas, and what happens is, when I wrote it down, if I would have given it to you, you would have understood what I was saying and thought, man, he's got some issues, right? My friend, he saw me one day, Pastor George, I remember Pastor George, one time I did this, I gave him a document, this is before I had my wife proofread, and you know, Pastor George is reading this, he's like, man, you still ghetto man and I and I'm like dude are you saying this is like yeah this is like 10 years ago sent him a doc and he was like man you, you still ghetto brother you just missing words up in here and it's just because you know what at that time I didn't even think twice I was like I just wrote it down boom just give it to him and he and, and he looked at it and so what happens is when I look at it the initial vision the the original way that I see it that's how everything apparently came out but when I look at it I get a fresh look when I look at it, I see it through fresh eyes. When I look at it again, I get to see it from a different perspective. And that's the same thing. And so here's the reality, that we must see things differently before we should expect to see things change. Let me say it again. We must see things differently before we should expect to see things change. Now, I don't want you to get worried because I'm not one of those just thinking positive and everything's going to be great. That's not it. That's not what I'm communicating here. So please don't get it twisted. What I'm trying to say is you have got to see things from a different perspective before you can expect to see anything change. You've got to see things from a biblical perspective. You've got to see things not from where you are, but from where God is. How about that? You can't just see it from where you are. You know, you've heard the whole thing. You know, you got to look from outside the window, you know, all that good stuff. You know, you got to see from the outside looking in because when you're inside, you, everything looks all right. No, but when you're looking from the outside looking in, it's a different scenario, right? It's the same thing with allowing God to sit down and help you to look at things and really get them into perspective so that way you can have a revision in your life. The reason why I use the title revision is because you know, and if you've been here for a while and you've been through the vision carrier orientation, you know that the vision of Faith Doma Fellowship is based on Hebrews 11.6. For without faith it is impossible to please him. And those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so that is the vision of Faith Dome. But it's not just a vision. One of the things that God put in my heart is that I shouldn't just have a vision for a church, a local body, but the vision that the people of God should have in this church should be one that if they leave this place because of 
whatever the reason is, that they can take that vision with them wherever they go. The same thing with the discipleship process. Everything that you see on that wall is the mission of Faith Dome of Fellowship. And whether you are at Faith Dome or wherever you are, those things right there should go with you. And that way you will be able to be a fruitful disciple no matter where you go. And so when we're talking about revision is because some of us lose the vision. Not the vision of faith, Dome, the vision that God has for his people. The vision that God has in the word of God for us. And so the first thing I need you to repeat this after me is, say, we need to establish a biblically acceptable and attainable vision to pursue. So the first thing, if we're going to have revision, if we're going to have the ability to see things afresh, we've got to have something that we're going to pursue that's attainable. We've got to have something to pursue that is biblically acceptable because there's some things that we can reach and they're not necessarily biblically acceptable. And there's some things that we can go ahead and we can say, well, they're acceptable to us, you know, and they seem great, but they're not attainable. But what we've got to do is we have to have what God wants us to have from the scriptures. For the Christian, our life vision or goal should be to please God in every Everything that we do. This is the only foolproof, all encompassing biblical vision. It is only attainable by the grace of God. I'll say it again. For the Christian, our life vision or our life goal should be to please God in everything that we do, not some things. See, because some of us, and here, here's, here's what we gotta, we, we got to understand, is what the reason why I say please him in everything is because we have a mindset sometimes, and th- this is what happens to us. We, get it, we go ahead and we see specific areas in our life that we need to get better in, and we decide well, we are just going to focus on that area or that situation. And so my goal is, for example, I am going to be a better husband. Great goal. But it falls short of my overall life goal. Did you hear what I'm saying? I decide, you know what, I'm going to be a better employee. And so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do all of these things. That is a great goal. As a Christian, I should want to do that. But if that is the only thing that I'm striving for, I'm missing the mark. And I am not allowing the vision of God to encompass my entire life. I'm not allowing the vision of God to lead me in every area. So I should desire to please him in all things, not some things, not certain areas. Now, that doesn't mean that we forget about, okay, you know what? I recognize that in this year, you know, when you go back and you look over your life in the last year, and you see, you know what? I was slacking as a husband. I was slacking as a son. I was slacking as a daughter. I was slacking as a Christian in different areas. It doesn't mean that you don't say, you know what? I need to get better in this area and begin to fortify yourself in that area. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you cannot, I cannot have just a singular, well, you know what? I'm, my goal is to be the best preacher. That would be a singular goal, and God wants me to be the best in every area that he's called me to be. Are you with me, church? And so we have to look and say, okay, is that the vision of my life? Is it the vision of my life to please him in everything? Is it the vision in my life to make sure that every area of my life, not some areas in my life, but that every area in my life is aligning with his will, that every area in my life is bringing him glory and bringing him honor, not just some areas. The key to pleasing God is living by faith. Living by faith enables us to walk with God, and walking with God can only be continued by us walking in the spirit and so if we want to please God then we have to decide where are we going to live are we going to live in the spirit or are we going to live in the flesh 
In my relationships, am I going to live, live in the spirit? Now, wait, wait, wait a second. I have to deal with people in the natural. That's fine. You can still live in the spirit and deal with them in the natural. You just don't have to deal with them naturally. Did you hear me? You don't have to deal with them the way that it comes to you naturally, the way that you want to act with them. That is in opposition to the way that the Bible teaches you should. This is just what, what, what the Bible teaches. What I love when you look at this chapter here in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and I believe Pastor Chad is going through or has finished going through the whole faith series. I taught a faith series a couple of years ago. And what I love here is when you look at this scripture, you find some awesome things about faith. And when we talk about faith, what does faith do? The first thing that we see here is in verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, for by it, faith, elders obtained a good testimony. And so who was testifying about these elders? Can I I tell you who it was God is testifying about these people why because God remember all scripture inspired of the Lord so that means the book of Hebrews falls under that whole context right and God inspires the writer of the book of Hebrews to write down the names and the actions of all of these people so who is testifying God is testifying because of their faith so what does faith do the first thing that we see here clearly is that faith enables us to to, to obtain a good testimony from God Almighty. How many of y'all want a good testimony from God? Amen. See, it's one thing for a teacher to say you're good, for your parents to say you're good, for somebody, a pastor to say you're good. It's one thing for all that's happened, but it's a whole different thing when God says, that's my son, that's my daughter. So the first thing that we find about walking by faith is that faith enables us to obtain this testimony. The second thing, look at this. It says, by faith we understand. Now let's just pause there for a moment. Because I think one of our greatest issues is that we're trying to understand to gain faith when we need to have faith to understand some stuff. Did you hear me? The issue with us is that we're trying to understand. We're trying to break it down to its lowest common denominator and get everything into a perspective where we can grasp it and then I'll put my faith in it. Nope, that's backwards. Because it is by faith we understand. We understand what? The worlds were created, right? That's what it says. So you sit down and you try to, look, you got scientists that they are absolute atheists. Hello, somebody. They, 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 they understand to some degree, right? Uh, that's crazy, right? To some degree, they understand how the worlds were created, but they have no faith. No faith in God. But the scripture shows us that we, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made with, with things which are visible. And so by faith, we understand. Now, this doesn't just apply to creation. This, this applies to plenty of the situations you and I face. Hello. There's some situations that you and I will face that we won't understand, but we will have faith to get through them. We need to have faith to get through them because later on, we'll understand. When is later on? I don't know. Later on could be next year, next month. Later on could be eternity, and then it won't even matter. Are you with me? So by faith we obtain. By faith we understand. I love the next thing because the, he, he's giving generalities, right? The, the writer's giving generalities. He's saying, okay, by faith these elders received a good testimony. They obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were created by the word of God. And then he goes on and he begins to name them specifically. And I love where he starts. He starts with Abel. And he says, by faith, Abel offered. It's amazing. The first place that he goes, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He goes to a giver. Did you hear me? The first place that he goes, he goes to a sacrificial giver. 
One who was offering. He says, by faith, he did this. Again, by faith, he's saying this is what faith looks like in action. A person who is going to be a worshiper, not just in word, but a worshiper in deed. Are you with me? So by faith, we do what? By faith, we offer. By faith, we obtain. By faith, we understand. By faith, we give. Look, we should, we, we should in faith be seeking God's face, saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to give? What is it that you want me to sacrifice? Not just financially, in every area of my life. What is it that you are asking of me? But let me get it. Let, let, let's go back to this because I want to make sure we understand. And in our finances, because we want to ignore the financial part of stuff. We want to act like finances don't matter, like finances are uns, uh, unspiritual. That's not truth. Hello, somebody. We need to understand that if you read your Bible well, and we will go through these a little bit later on in the year. I don't know what time and if we'll do it in Bible study or in preaching. But we will understand that there are some things that Jesus directly does, that I don't do it, nobody else does. Jesus does it directly. People ask him about salvation, he immediately starts talking about their money. Immediately starts talking about that. When the rich young ruler came to him, what did he tell? He said, man, you need to go sell all your stuff, give to the poor, and then come follow me. That's what he communicates. He's saying, listen, there is a direct correlation between your spirituality and the way you look at money. Hello, somebody. It's a new year, right? We're setting New Year's resolutions and all these goals. How about we start with the goal of giving? I, I, I didn't talk about that goal, right? We didn't talk about that one. I don't have much to talk about myself there, and I don't boast on that. But you know what? I, I, I have been blessed with a gift of giving in my life. I love to give. That's just my heart. That's the way I am. So I won't talk about that with myself. But when you look at yourself, when you look back at your year that, that, that passed here, you know, we all come into the New Year's and we say whatever, whatever it is, whatever your position is on stuff, or you believe tithing is good or whatever the case may be, well, you know what? I'm not going to miss, you know, a, a paycheck without giving tithes. I'm not going to miss a paycheck without doing this. How did that work for you last year? Did you do it? Did, did, did you get there to where God wanted you to get? I can answer the question for some of you because, see, I see some of the financial numbers. I don't know all the numbers. I don't know who gives anything on specifics, but every month I have to go in there because I have to look at what the, um, the building fund is and all that good stuff. And so what I have to see because it's just there in front of my face is I get to see the deposits. So I get to see the, the, the weekly deposits that are made. And when I look at the weekly deposits that are made, I can tell you that some of you missed that goal if you even made it. Hear me. You don't have to ask my opinion. You could ask the ushers. Don't ask them because you're going to put them in a real sticky feeling situation right there. I'm just letting you know that they will confirm what I'm telling you. There are definitely sometimes that somebody either didn't make a goal or didn't make their goal. Hello? So that should be, that should be something, right? On our tithe and offering envelope, doesn't it say something? It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Haven't I taught you how we do that? How do we do that? We do that prayerfully, don't we? How do we purpose in our heart? We do it by prayer, right? We go through all of those things. And so the fact of the matter is, when we look at this first person, now mind you, again, we are talking about the first person here that is being prescribed as a person of faith being described as someone who we should look at and say, okay, you know what? This is a person who had faith, and this is a person who pleased God by what? By what they gave. And so when we're looking at those goals and saying, okay, well, let me look back. Well, I want to look forward. I want to say, you know what? This is what I'm desiring to do. And not just that, because you know what? Some of us, we don't even think about what we're giving in the new year. You know what we do? We just say, okay, well, I'm just going to give the same thing I gave last year. Why? Shouldn't we increase? Shouldn't we be growing in that grace? I we talked about that also. We should be growing in that area. We should be moving forward in that area. We should be growing. What we should be doing, and I mean, especially, you know, a lot of us are going through the whole Dave Ramsey class, so that means that we should be doing what? We should be eliminating debt, right? Dave Ramsey says it. We're going to live like no one else so we can give like no one else. Hallelujah, glory to God, right? 
So, the, so th- this is what should be happening. We should be eliminating debt. We should be getting stuff out of our life, whether or not we're in Dave Ramsey or not. We should be getting rid of these bills. And that way we can do what? We can increase in our contribution to the kingdom. So the Bible shows us here, Abel, he offered, he gave. And I know it gets uncomfortable when we talk about money, and that's okay. I'm the one talking. You're listening. Hallelujah. And I'm okay talking about it because it's a reality. If, they, if we don't give, then guess what? We can't move forward. Pastor Robert, he, taught, he prayed a powerful prayer today. He said, God, take us to places that we haven't been. Show us things that we haven't seen. And he prayed a prayer of faith. And you know what? All of that will not come to pass if we don't increase in our giving. Hello, somebody. Try to go on a vacation to somewhere you haven't seen without money. Ain't going to happen. Try it. Just, listen, I would just walk up to, you know, a counter somewhere and say, hey, I heard there's a flight going to Hawaii right here and I want to go. They're going to say, okay, where's your ticket? They're going to look at you like you done lost your mind. Hello, this is just reality. Because what? We, we, we have this faith, right? I have the faith. I agree. I touch and agree with Pastor Robert. And I'm encouraging not just you, myself as well. Sit down and think about, okay, am I giving at the level God wants me to give to? Am I doing that? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Remember, and, and we, we, taught, we taught on this probably, I don't know, a couple, of, a couple of months ago. We talked about it on a Wednesday night, and some of you, didn't, you know, didn't hear the teaching. But, you know, we discussed this. Man, you should feel your giving. You should feel it. When you give, that joy should be exuding you. Glory to God. You should be like, God, I feel. Thank you that I'm able to give this unto you. That, you're feel, that, that it is part of you and that you're giving not just what comes out of your hand, but what comes from your heart. Amen? So we see Abel is one who the first one that, we, that he mentions there is one who is a worshiper in his sacrificial offering. Then the, In verse 5 it says, by faith Enoch was taken away. And so I'm not going to tell you that by faith we're taken away. But if you read the book of Genesis, you find that the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and was no more. And so by faith we walk with God. And so the first thing we see is one that is offering the first person. The second person we see is one who is walking with God in such intimacy and such relationship that God literally takes him away so he doesn't have to see death. And so for me, this should be the goal. This right here, I think, should be the goal of every Christian, that it can be said about me that Jason walked with God and he was no more. Not that he went and he flew away, but that when people saw me, they saw Jesus, not me. Did you hear what I said? That, 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 that when people heard me, they heard Jesus, not me. That doesn't mean that I disappear. That means that I decrease so he can increase. That I become a person just like John the Baptist that I think got this revelation. They came to John the Baptist and they asked him, who do you say that you are? You know, are you the prophet? No, I'm not the prophet. Are you the Elijah? No, I'm not this one. Are you this? He says, no. He says, well, what do you say about yourself? He said, listen, I'm not going to say anything except I'm a voice. That's it. He didn't, he didn't tell him his name. He didn't tell him. He didn't tell him my father so-and-so. None of that even mattered to him. The only thing that he cared about was fulfilling the will of God, which was what? Being a voice of one crying in the wilderness. That was it. He was communicating to them that it is not about me. John the Baptist's ministry was that. That, that. that could be the name of the ministry, not about me ministries. That could have been his church, not about me ministries. He's like, there's one that's coming after me, not about me. There's one I can't even, not about me. His disciples did, left him and started walking, and some of them that were still with him, they're like, hey, man, are, you know, these guys are leaving. He said, look, it's not about me. He said, whoever God has given you, you're going to have. I must decrease so he can. It's not about me ministries. Hello. Come and ask me who I am. It's not about me. I'm just a voice about him. Enoch had something. 
that Christians should have, that we should be walking in intimacy with him to that degree that we are dying daily, growing in grace, and that his glory is being revealed in and through our lives. And that people who saw us and knew us before say, man, the Jason I know today is not the same person I knew back then. Not because, you know, he has a beautiful wife only. Not only because, you know, he's a little heavier than he used to be. Hello, somebody. No. It is because he is a different person. There is someone else living in him. It should continuously be that way, church. Because this is the ones that God says, this is the ones that obtained his testimony, right? And I love verse 6 because verse 6 is the vision. Read it with me. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. The first part of the revision is you got to have this desire to please him. You have to have a desire to please him. Hear me, church. You cannot walk by faith and live in the flesh at the same time. Did you hear me? You cannot walk by faith and live in the flesh at the same time. In other words, you cannot gratify your sinful flesh at the same time that you glorify God Almighty. You can't. You cannot gratify the desires of your flesh. I want you to turn to another scripture here. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. I want to show you another scripture that speaks about pleasing God here in the book of Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8, we'll begin reading in verse 1, and we'll read to verse 8. <clears throat> when you got to say so. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now let's pause for a moment because we realize that what Jesus did when he came in the flesh was he empowered us to live in the spirit. This is what the scriptures teach us, that when Jesus came, it wasn't just for other things, but it was to empower us, and that way we would be able to fulfill the will of God by not living in the flesh, but living according to the Spirit of God. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. Now remember what I said just a moment ago. We can go ahead and we can, be, we, we can live in the, in, in the flesh, in our physical bodies, 
And we can deal with people in, a, in, in, in the natural, but we don't have to deal with them in a natural way. And what I mean by that is we don't have to deal with them in a sinful manner. We don't have to deal with them in the way that we would like to deal with them. There are things that are just natural. You know, we have natural desires. You know, many of us in here, we wanted to be married because we had natural desires, right? So we have these, are those desires bad? No. Are those desires sinful? Say no. See, I got like a weak no because they're like, Bishop is setting me up. I'm not setting you up. Listen, you've been lied to. You've been, we, we, we think that certain, and, 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 and I'm not saying those things because there's some younger young folk up in here, and I don't want to, you know, open up and say anything, but here's what I want. Y'all, y'all got to read between the lines with me here. We've been taught, you know, through sensuality in our society that anything that has to do with that is nasty, dirty, perverted. Is that not what we've been taught? That's why y'all were saying that weak no, because you were like, I don't know, Bishop, is, is it wrong? If it's wrong, then every married person in here is wrong. Hello? The Bible says marriage is honorable among all, right? The bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, they will be judged. That's what the book of Hebrews says, right? So here's the thing. Those desires, natural. It's how you deal with them that is the problem. What happens when you have those desires as a young single person? Do you go and decide you're going to get on the Internet and start looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at? Hello, somebody. That's sinful. That's incorrect. Do you start looking at people of the opposite sex in a lustful way? That's sinful. Having the desire to do something is not sinful. It is the way you respond to it. What, what, what the apostle says, those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, that's where the issue is. Setting your mind on the things of the flesh, giving in to the desire and letting that desire that is leading you away become sinful. That's where the issue is. And the same thing happens with anger. We can say that one because we all get angry. Hello. Oh, you get angry, you're in the flesh. Who said? Who said that when you get angry, you're in the flesh? That means that Jesus was in the flesh because he got angry. Hello, somebody. Listen, and I know we want to call it righteous indignation. I haven't found righteous indignation in the Bible, but whatever. What I'm saying is this. This is what I'm saying. It was anger no matter how you cut it. The way that he dealt with it was the difference. The way that he dealt with it was the difference. Now, now let, let, let's just use some common sense here. There are some things we shouldn't get angry about. Hello, somebody. There are some things we get angry about. We're just immature and we need to grow up, and that's fine. And your flesh is not the anger part. It's the reason why you got angry in the first place. Hello, somebody. So anger is still not the issue here. The issue is the way you dealt with the anger. That's what happened. So you get angry, something happens, how do you handle it? You fly off the handle, start cursing someone out, hello, that was sin. You being angry, someone did something wrong, look, that, that, that's okay. That's why the Bible says, look what the Bible says, glory to God. Be angry. Look, hold, hold on a second, hold on, just pause. I know you know the second part of the verse, y'all, some spiritual folk up in here, glory to God. Hold on it. The Bible says, be angry. You, you, you can get angry. And so, say, so look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, for most stuff that angers you, it's okay to get angry. Now tell them some stuff. You just got to grow up. Listen, be angry. Sin not. In other words, when you get angry, you have the capacity to sin in your anger or to do what's righteous. 
So we all going to get angry. We're going to have our moments. And the anger is not sinful. What becomes sinful is the way that you deal with it. And this is what the apostle is saying. He's, a, he's, a, he's saying, look, man, do not be in the flesh. Don't set your mind on things of the flesh. Do not set, do, do, don't set your mind on things of the flesh because setting your mind on things of the flesh brings you into a carnal state of being. Looking at things from, from the natural perspective and never seeing them from the right perspective hinders us from focusing on and walking in the vision of God. So what that means to me is that I need to be a person that is walking with one thing on my heart continually. And it is I desire to please God in everything that I'm doing. When I get angry with my spouse, with my son, with my mother, with my boss, when I get angry with my neighbor, when I get angry with the person who cut me off, I need to ask myself a question. Is the way that I'm handling this honoring and glorifying God? Is the way that I'm dealing with this pleasing him because that is the ultimate goal? When I have those desires that every human being has, the way that I deal with them is the way that I'm either going to honor God or dishonor him, the way that I'm going to please him or displease him it is that that needs to be the heart of every person that calls himself a child of God in every area am I pleasing him is it pleasing him and that becomes the ultimate question and I'm going to stop here because I don't want to keep going I've been preaching for about 40 minutes right now and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna let it go but here's what we got to understand in this revision because I got three more, two more points here, so I, if I go through them, we're going to be here for about an hour and a half. And I know y'all are like, Bishop, we love you. <laughs> Listen to me. The question is this. Is that the heartbeat of your life? Saying, God, I want to please you in everything. That's, that, 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 that's my desire. That's my passion. That is what is burning inside of me. Because if it's not, then we have issues. If it's not, you have issues. Because that is what should be the goal of every Christian. To please him in all areas. And as we look back, as we look back over our year or our years, as we look back at everything, look at this year as being a new beginning and walk in that new beginning. Amen? But learn from those things in the past. Fix what you can fix. Learn from what you can learn. And then move forward. Don't get stuck looking backward. Learn the lessons. Sit down with, listen, don't, I'm going to encourage you with this. Don't sit down and have a conversation with me and have a conversation with somebody else that you know that is a spiritual person and figure everything out. You know what I want to encourage you to do? I want you to sit down with the Holy Ghost. I want you to sit down with God Almighty and look back. You and God can reason together. Amen? Listen, there's a reason why Jesus went to that cross, and when he was on that cross, the Bible says that that veil was torn from top to bottom because God was saying, son, daughter, I want you to enter into communion with me, and I want you to be able to hear my voice, and I want you to be able to grow in a relationship of intimacy. Now, I'm not telling you not to talk to your brothers and sisters. I'm not telling you to, no. What I'm saying is you can sit down, have conversations, but don't let that be the final end of everything. Let God align what he needs to align. That way you can really have a focused vision on where he wants you to go. Amen? On what he wants you to do, on how he wants you to grow, and what areas you need to grow. Let him be the one to show you how to do it, church. Let this be the year that you become more attuned to the voice of God than ever before.
Let this be a year that you know his voice and that you are like one of those sheep that you just hear just a whisper and you know that's God. Hold on a second. I hear, I hear the Holy Ghost over here. That doesn't mean get weird. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Hearing voices, talking about, I heard, hold, 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 hold on a second. You hear more voices than anybody else I've ever met, glory to God. You sure that's the right voice? There's a lot of voices out there. Get in with God. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet.